What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Thoughts by the VLDI. Another What You Doing Wednesday, where I bring you entertainers, entrepreneurs, authors, just creators of whatever uh, genre, and bring them here to not entertain us, but more to teach us and, and, and to educate us on about what they do, how they see the world, you know, what their thoughts are, what their thoughts are. So today, I have a guy, he's a veteran, he's a mentor, speaker, and he's also an author. Author, Kevin Eastman. How you doing today, sir? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm very good, very good. I'm glad that you took the time out to speak with me here today. Oh, my pleasure. So let's start off with, you know, before we get into your book, uh, I like to give the people a little bit of information about you so we can know who you are, who they're listening to. So tell me a little bit about yourself, brother. Well, I I, uh, I grew up in Oakland, California. Um, right now, I'm I'm living in Southern California, which is a, a world of difference from uh, yeah. from Oakland. <laughs> I was out in Oakland uh, January. My daughter lives in Stockton now. Okay, and her birthday is in January, so I just was out there in in well, I was in Stockton, but you know, we went out to Oakland, San Francisco, Sacramento, doing different things. Right, I like it out there. Oh, I, I love it. I, I love being from, from Oakland. I, when people always tell me, you from the Bay? No, I'm from Oakland. There's a big difference. <laughs> I hear you, man. So what was life like for you growing up, uh, growing up in Oakland? Well, for me, it was uh, pretty uneventful. I mean, I, I, my, my mom and dad were uh, pretty much uh, involved in my life. I, I kind of stayed on a straight and narrow. Um, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't a uh, 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 goody two shoes, if you will, but it wasn't bad either. You know, it, it, it was, uh, it was tough growing up, you know, we lived in middle-class neighborhood, you know, they're, they, the, all of the uh, stereotypes, for, if, if you will, for lack of a better term, uh, growing up in Oakland, I, I had them, you know, but I, I chose to uh, break those stereotypes. You know, I was one of uh, four or five people that actually uh, decided to go into the Air Force from my high school class when the majority of the uh, people actually went into the Army or Navy. Mm -hmm. So I, I grew up kind of going against the grain, if you, uh, for lack of a better term. You know, I always wanted to, to, um, to uh, march to the beat of my own drum. You know, so that 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 was kind of the way I was brought up, you know, to be an individual. And that's how I, I operate to this day. OK, what um, what influenced you to go to the, you know, the Air Force route versus what everybody else was doing? <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a funny, th funny story. Um, my, my mom was uh, was on me about college. And mm. I, after 12 years of high school, I mean, college was the last thing I'm feeling it <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know she she was on me you need to go to college you need to go to college I'm looking at her saying I don't want to go I don't want to go mm. so the Air Force came along it was a way for me to uh to gain experience 
to get a job and more, most importantly, get out of my parents' house. I love them to death, but I didn't want to live with them anymore. And uh, an added bonus was the Air Force gave me college credit for learning how to do my job. So I killed a bunch of birds with one stone by joining the Air Force. So that that was my kind of my motivation. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. And you told you I remember uh, our pre-conversation, you were saying that you were a recruiter. Yes, I was a I was a recruiter for 14 years. I did that. And uh, prior to that, I was a drill instructor, actually. Wow. Uh, so I, I took uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, one, you get to yell and scream and act a fool and a lunatic. And the other one, you're supposed to be nice and, and, and welcoming. So I did both ends of the the, 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 the spectrum, so to speak. Um, believe it or not, um, being a drill instructor actually motivated me to become a recruiter because I had always wondered as a uh, drill instructor, people come down, they're nervous, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. You know, intelligent people don't know how to count the six you know, because of nerves. Yeah. And you always wonder, well, how did you get past your recruiter? as a recruiter now i know how they got passed a <laughs> <laughs> uh, drill instructor what is the um like what why are our drill instructors so aggressive like what is is it one of those like we need to rebuild like we're, we got to break you down to rebuild you up type of things or is it just fun to yell at people well, that that well, there's different types of instructors. I, I was not the type that yelled all the time. I didn't, you know, because I, I thought about myself putting myself in the trainee's position um, as growing up. You know, when you when you have your parents yelling all the time, pretty soon all you hear is yelling. You don't hear what they're yelling. Yeah. So I was more of the uh, explaining type and I used I used yelling as a tool to save me time. I didn't want to have to repeat myself 46 times. So I repeated it one time very loudly and mm -hmm. I didn't have to repeat myself 45 more times. So it was more of a time saver for me. But to answer your question. Uh, drill instructors, they, they, they're aggressive because they have a, a lot that they have to uh, get into the trainee in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So any way that you can, you can uh, find ways to get that, that amount of training into the person, you have to do that and you have to take shortcuts. And that's what I did as a drill instructor. I had to take those shortcuts. Sometimes the person that got yelled at was the sacrificial lamb, if you will. Mm. They didn't like it, but 45 people heard what that person went through and they didn't want to go through what they went through. So that, that kind of saved me time. <laughs> I got you. I got you. So from military service to being an author, was that always your dream to, to get into writing or like, how did you end up in that, in that space? Well, it's interesting you asked that question because actually I became a, a writer by, by accident. Um, I, I started writing essays on, on myself and just trying to figure out where I was in life and th things like that. And they turned into a 250 page book. Um, <laughs> It, it 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 actually began as a series of essays. I was kind of sitting there like, well, wait a minute, let me start doing some self-reflection. And it, it just grew from there. And once I read over what I had written, I, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I'm not the only person that can benefit from what I've learned because mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people going through what I went through. So I decided to publish uh, the, the, the some, uh, few of the lessons that I was taught. 
And that was uh, the Don't Gamble. That's uh, the, the name of the, the title of the book is Don't Gamble on Life Improvement Until You Shift the Odds. Yes. OK. And this is part it's part of a series, right? Well, actually, it's it's a standalone book. It's mm-hmm. but it's uh, the, the most recent one is a second edition. I actually uh, went back and uh, revised a couple of the ideas that I had in there based on the feedback that I got from the first uh, edition. I, I I found that a lot of readers were not getting what I wanted them to get. So I actually went back and kind of adjusted things to kind of make it a little bit clearer so that, uh, that it alleviates a lot of the mis- misunderstanding of what I was trying to say. Okay. So let's get into the, into the book. What is the, 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 the topic of discussion in this book? Well, what the what it is is I, I take the the reader through a series of topics mm-hmm. that I think contribute most to the chaos that we uh, that we encounter in life. And what I do is I I do it I do it in a systematic way. I kind of I, it's kind of going back to my days as a drill instructor, like you said, breaking a person down and then building them back up. So you have to have a starting point. So what I do is I take uh, I take the reader and I introduce myself and kind of put myself in a position to let the reader know I, I have gone through what they're getting ready to read. I, I, I use a lot of my personal experience in the book to, uh, to make it, to, to give it a, a degree of realism, because I think that lends credibility to the, the, the words in the book if mm-hmm. the reader can see that I have gone through this stuff myself. That's cool. So it's a, it's a, a, a dive into you and some of your situations that you went through to orchestrate it in a way to help others. Yes, because I'm not the only one that's gone through what I went through. I'm, almost, I'm sure I'm positive. <laughs> okay. So what are, what are some of the topics in the book? What are some of the, the, the chapters um, you got going on in there? Well, what I, what I did was, it, like I said, it was, it's a systematic way of doing things. But what I do is I, I, I take the, the reader through a series of topics. And the first, the first thing I, I want to do is what, what, what I try to do is take a person through uh, the, the, the point of discovering who they are and then going, then building from there. And, and what I do is I go through a series of uh, subjects that I talk about. Uh, chapter three is called the, the comfort zone. And I, what I do in there is I, I try to get people to understand that a lot of the obstacles that we encounter in life are actually created in our head. Mm-hmm. And, and the comfort zone is one of those things. Uh, it, it, I use myself as an example. You know, when you feel comfortable, you, you stay right there. You know, but if everybody stayed comfortable, the world would have no, there would be, there would be no progress if everybody stayed where they were comfortable. (laughs) And and what I'm trying to do with, with, um, with the book is to get people out of that comfort zone. I want them to get out of the boundaries of the comfort zone because personal growth comes from being outside of the boundaries of your comfort zone. Nobody's ever made success by staying right where everything is familiar. It has to be something that is different in order to get something, get a a different result. And that, that was something that was hard for me personally. Um, I deal with anxiety and my daughter also has anxiety we're starting to discover. So mm-hmm. 
that comfort zone for people like us, that comfort zone is exactly where we want to be. We want to well, be. It, it, it's not. It's what I'm. What I'm trying to get the reader to understand that you. It's not that you're not supposed to have one because mm-hmm. you definitely need one, but you have to know where the boundaries are so you you know how far you can push yourself. Yeah, that's yeah. Because <laughs> that's what I was. That's what I was getting to was that you know, it wasn't. I wasn't able to progress, and I realized it because every time something a change would happen my mind would go, aren't you worried about that? And I'm like, mm-hmm. worried about what? And it's like, exactly. What can we worry about today? And then it, it's just like, no, nah, I don't, it could be something as simple as, because I, the, um, in my career, I work at eight different locations. Before this, I was, I had, uh, what was it? What was it? I had like 10, had like 10 different locations I had to go to. And just someone coming in and something simple as them coming in and saying, hey, you're not going to do this location anymore. You're going to be at that one. And it's a new location. It's like, oh, hell, what what, <laughs> what am I going to do now? Now, I'm going there to do the same exact thing that I do every day at every other location. But just that fact that I'm going, I was headed somewhere else was like, man. And it would, and, and it, it would, it would, you know, uh, put me in a pause state where I wasn't able to move forward. And I had to work on myself to overcome that. So I definitely dig that. Right. And that, and that's what it's about. You know, what, what I try to do with, with my book is I try to simplify the obstacles that we have, because a lot of times what I've found in my, in my personal experience is the simpler things are made, the easier they are to understand and subsequently apply. And I break down a lot of things down to the basics, you know, it, and, and I, one of the things I say in the book is, a lot of things, a lot of people are going to know what I'm saying because they've heard it before, mm-hmm. but they haven't heard it put the way that I put it. Mm-hmm. And that makes the difference because sometimes you can, you can see like the ABCs and everybody knows ABCD. But if you have someone sing it to you, it, it may, that, that may be what makes the ABC stick to you. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the, the ABC song we learned when we were a kid, when we were kids. You know, that's how you learn. You learn, you learn the ABCs by singing a song. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, dang, that, that's real right there. I just, it, it clicked. I, and it's like you said, it's something I know. But it's like, yeah, that was the whole premise of the, the ABC song was to teach you the ABCs, you know. Um, but why do you think we have so much trouble figuring out who we are ourselves? Well, it, it, you know, for me, it was, it was because I was, I was trying to be what I thought everybody wanted me to be mm-hmm. instead of being who I was, you know, and, and I had a wonderful mentor in the Air Force that uh, kind of challenged me to that. He, he said, uh, why do you insist on shortchanging yourself? And I had no answer to his question and it pissed me off. But more importantly, it got my attention. So I had to go back and, and kind of drop the ego a little bit because the ego was getting a little out of hand. You know, I had mm-hmm. to sit back and go, hey, let me let me check some other things out first. You know, and, and it was it was tough because I found out things about myself that I did not like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was like, whoa, it was a wake up call, you know, and 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 that kind of kind of helped me develop who I am because on the outside, nobody knew what was going on inside of my head. 
you know, outwardly, I was doing well. At, I was doing well at my job. I was in the Air Force. I had a wonderful career. But internally, I was a train wreck. <laughs> yeah. You know, until I had to I had to sit back and put some things in perspective. And that took a that took a, a it took a, a it was a hard pill to swallow because there were a lot of things that I saw that it was like, oh, that's not supposed to go that way. <laughs> yeah, when I when I started doing my uh deep dive down the rabbit hole that is myself, I realized I was a butthole. Real talk. <laughs> not to be not to make it a joke or anything. I really realized I was like, You're an asshole. Right. And I came to grips with that and, and <laughs> I have to live with it every day. So I have to keep it in check because it's like, you know, a lot of times I can come off. I say things, it's like I say things without with disregard how it's going to make other people feel, mm-hmm. but without any intentions of making anybody feel bad. Right. You know, the, the words I use, the way I say things, sometimes the tone of my voice, it's just me being me regularly. But to other, to people who are not close to me, it's like, dog, this dude's this dude's being a douche. And, but people around me know that you know that's just how he talks. There's no. Well, you, you know, it's, it. it's it's interesting you would say that because mm-hmm. there is a part a portion in the book in uh, chapter two uh, called "Finding You and How Why Things Are the Way They Are." Mm-hmm. And one of the things I I, uh, I tell the reader is it's not what it's not about what you meant. It's mm-hmm. about how what you meant was perceived mm-hmm. because you can see yourself in one way and somebody else can see you completely different. Mm-hmm. So you may, you may not know. And one of the things I try to do is get people to, uh, to, to look at things from a different perspective. And one of the things I tell the reader to do is if you need further confirmation on finding out who you are, ask somebody you trust to describe you as they see you. Ooh, that's scary right there. But here's the thing, it, and it, it sounds easy, but here's the thing. Tell them they are that you are not going to interrupt them until they say the words, okay, I'm done. Ooh. And that's hard to do because you may not like what you hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, especially if you get someone that's, gonna be honest with you you know it's not exactly. gonna sugarcoat it's gonna really tell you it probably would have to exactly. be like someone close to you that y'all have that type of relationship where they're not afraid to really tell you how they see you exactly but it, it's it's hard because you may not like what you hear and because you don't like what you hear it's going to be tough to accept and even tougher to agree with hmm. but that's how they see you yeah you can't you have, <laughs> You have no control over how somebody, well, you do have some control over how people see you by mm, your actions. No, you, you really don't. You, you don't have any control over how they see you. You mm-hmm. only control the image you put out. This is true. This is true. You got me on that one. <laughs> you got me on that one. You can get, you can try. You're right. You can try to be however you want the world to see you, but at the end of the day, people are, are going to form their own opinion of, of who you are. Absolutely. Do you think social media is hurting us in that in that in that area of trying to discover ourselves and, and develop ourselves as far as who we are? Well, it, it to me, I think social media is is kind of crippling in a way. And the reason I say that is because you can be anybody you want to be behind the behind the screen of a computer. Mm-hmm. 
You know, you, you can be whoever you want to be, you know, and, and it, it gives you a distorted sense of reality. And that's why I'm a big proponent of personal interaction. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I like meeting people. I like talking to people. I like, I like dealing with people, you know, it, it's, to me, it, you get a better sense of who that person is versus reading words on a screen or, you know, those type of things. So I, I, I'm a big proponent of that. And unfortunately, it's personal interaction is becoming a, a, a downward trend, you know, because of the technological advances we've had throughout our history. You know, you, if, if, one of the things I talk about in the book is, you, you know, computers, you only have to do one thing. You, 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 you're behind the computer by yourself. You know, mm-hmm. video games, most of the popular video games only require one person. Mm-hmm. You know, personal music players, one person. You know, it, is it, you don't even have to, you don't even have to pay, you can pay for gas at the gas pump. You don't even have yeah. to go inside and talk to anybody anymore. Yeah. You know, so it, it's kind of crippling in a way, you know, even though- it's even order, order your food from from the app <laughs> exactly you don't even have to go in and talk to anybody you can you know look at starbucks you can order your stuff and and walk in don't even have to speak to anybody walk over get your food walk right back out you're right you're right <laughs> self-checkout stations yes man i mean while it's convenient it's great but it's it's kind of crippling our way to interact with each other yeah it's like one one way that it hits me, so my daughter's twelve, just turned twelve, just January. But ever since she has been on the device, because um, I got her the phone. I was hesitant, but I got her the phone just for that. That when she started school, when she got a little bit older, and you know, catching the bus and getting off of the bus, it's like okay, now you're in a situation where you may need to call somebody. Sure. So. She would not talk on the phone. She would not talk on the phone. I FaceTime her, and it's like, "Hey, how you doing?" Okay. Those are her. Those are her. Is how she interacts with me. Exactly. It's but one word answers. Yeah, but as like, soon as we get off the phone, she'll she, she it's, starts it's texting like, me. Ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. You're okay. Yep. <laughs> What'd you do today? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> how was your day? Okay. <laughs> Then when, I, when we hang up, it's like, let me tell you about this girl, Susan, at school. Susan likes this guy. Da, 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 and she wrote him a letter. And you're like, you, we were just on the phone. You could have told me that. Exactly. <laughs> but she's grown up around all this technology. So it's normal to her that if we're not in the same room, she, now she's not bad. We're like, she's going to text me from the bedroom. My girlfriend will do that. But, right. but but my daughter, she, if we're in the house, she's gonna we'll sit we sit with each other, we talk with each other. But when there's a space between us, it's like, nah, I don't really want to talk. I just, but I'll text you to death. But I don't want to be on the phone and have to say words. Right. <laughs> Man. So I mean, it it it. I mean, I do those things. I try to do that with with my book. Mm-hmm. To kind of, um, you know, put things, use real life scenarios, you know, because the more real it, the, the book reads, it, it, it can, it can resonate with a lot of people. I've had some people tell me with feedback that uh, they didn't feel like they were reading a book. They felt mm-hmm. like they were having a conversation with me over, over a beer, which is great because that's how I want, that's how I intended the book to read. 
I didn't intend it to read like I know everything and you don't know anything. I, I wanted to I wanted to write it in a way that we're having a conversation, albeit a one-sided conversation, because I'm not probably not going to be there when a reader's reading a book. Yeah. But they they feel like that I am talking to them as a as a person that's concerned and wants them to succeed. Now, is the book geared toward everyone, or is it geared towards men, or you know, is it like a for a everybody type of thing, or is it specifically well, geared it, towards? It, it can be. It's it's actually geared towards everybody, you know. But uh, there is a, a section in there on relationships that I cover what men do and to mess up a relationship and what women do. That's you didn't Steve Harvey's, did you? It, it, it's it's almost, <laughs> it's along that line, but it is. But believe it or not, I, I while I was writing the book, I stayed away from every self help book I could. Uh huh. I did it purposely because I wanted everything that I wrote to come out of my head. I didn't want anybody's thoughts to influence it at all. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, uh, a lot of brothers was mad when he dropped that "Think Like a Man." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell he was get, he said he was giving away all the secrets. <laughs> well, it, it, it's really you know in, in that's in there because really relationships are not as hard as people make them to be. True. And I, and I said that in the book, the way I wrote it was relationships aren't easy, but they aren't nearly as hard as we keep trying to make them. And I, and I emphasize make them because what, what, from my past experiences, uh, failed relationships usually go south because of what a person creates in their head, not what actually occurs. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, what I try to emphasize is the emotional weight is what I call it. The emotional weight you put on a situation is going to dictate your reaction to that situation. And I try to highlight situations to where you can look and see, oh, this was an overreaction. And that's what caused the, the, the conflict. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I, I really I, I break things down very simply. I mean, like one of the things I do, uh, I, I say that relationships have four principles that are that uh, that are essential to a, a relationship's success. And if you have them in balance with each other, your, your relationship is, is going to work, you know, and I, I mentioned balance throughout the book because that that's one of the things that I learned from my own experience that as long as everything's balanced, everything's fine. But you have problems when imbalances occur. And most of the time, we are creating our own imbalance based on our mindset. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. I've noticed over uh, through social media that it seems as if there's a energy out there right now to where, how do you say this? Like men and women seem to be more of at odds about relationships. You know, you see a lot of stuff of, I wouldn't never do this for a man unless this, and these women ain't this, and these women ain't that, and those type of, a lot of that type of of, of, of narrative, mm-hmm. especially if you're online. How do you think that we got to that point? Or what, what do you think is the cause of, of well, one that of the, type one of mindset? Well, one of the big things that I, I write in the book is, 
is I think where the problem with a lot of relationships is men and women don't understand that we communicate differently. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not that one is better or worse than the other. It's just that we communicate, we communicate differently and the problems occur is when we don't want to acknowledge that we have different ways of communicating. For example, a lot of times women will uh, approach a situation based on emotion, mm-hmm. whereas a man will, appra- will approach a situation logically. That's not saying that women are illogical, but nine times out of the 10, a woman will be more emotional about a situation than a man. Mm-hmm. And because we are not as emotional it, it looks like we don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that before. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes it, it, it goes, well, you're, you, you're not showing the same type of emotion that I'm showing. So you must not care. Well, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> yeah. Like I dig what you're saying about the, um, about men and women thinking different and communicating different because this is one particular situation. This one question that always seems to cause an issue with me back when I was dating was, do you want me to come over? I'll get a call <laughs> and they say, Hey, you want me to come over? And I'm like, yeah, you come if you want to. And then she'll be like, no, do you want me to come over? And I'm like, yeah, I say, it's cool. You can come by. No, but do you want me? If you don't want me to come over, just say you don't want me to come over. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I just said you could come. And now we're arguing because in my (laughs) mind, me saying, hey, you can come over if you want to means you can come over if you want to. If one of the homies had to hit me up or if even you, Kevin, had to hit me up and say, hey, I'm I'm thinking about stopping by. How you feel about that? I'm like, hey, you can stop over if you want want to. That means you could come by, right? (laughs) Well, in in men terms, yes, that makes sense but it, it's it, it's a little different from what when, you know when we were talking about earlier it doesn't matter what you meant what matters is how what you meant was perceived mm-hmm. you, you see what i'm saying yeah. so if you want to doesn't that doesn't say emphatically yes or no is it if you want to it absolves me from blame <laughs> i get that I get that. It took me a while to learn that. And I will say this. This is one thing I tell people all the time. Me having a daughter taught me so much about women that I would have never uh, thought that having a daughter would teach you because she communicates the same way. So if she says, hey, dad, uh, you want to go to the VR arcade? And I'm like, uh, yeah, we can go. She'd be like, uh, and go sit down. Because what she heard was, I really don't want to go, but I'll take you if you want if you want to go. So I had to say, yeah, sure, that sounds like a good idea. Let's go to the VR arcade. And then everything's smooth. Everything's hunky-dory. Of course, and that's how it goes, you know. And and that's one of the things that I think contributes most to the the issues we we experience in relationships is because of that communication barrier. Like you said earlier, if you want to, well, that didn't answer her question. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it answered your question because I understood it as a, as a man. I got it. You know, yeah. if I want to come by, I can come by. But in her mind, it didn't it didn't register that way. 
and that's that's part of the problem that we have. <laughs> man, it's a lot to learn out here, man. You never stop learning, man. It's a daily, a daily thing, man. And and it, it's interesting that you bring that up because part of the um, part of the the the, the, the section in, in the chapter on relationships, which is the largest, uh, it's the longest chapter in the book. I, it's about forty pages long. But um, one of the things that I did was I looked at. Uh, couples that have been married for decades and years and you know that that just and and wonder what what did they have a secret formula and in in a matter of speaking they do you know they one of the things they 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 all that i've talked to they all do the same thing they understand that being in a relationship is a decision you have to make every single day mm-hmm and the more you're satisfied with your partner, the easier it is to make that decision. You know, I'm not saying you have to agonize over a date on a daily basis. But for me, I mean, I've been married to my wife for 15 years. My decision to stay is opening my eyes every day. You know, so it 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 does it it does have those those things in there, and that's why I try to I break things down very simply in the book. I, I I'm I'm I think that a lot of people would benefit from reading it, but the the problem that we have is a little small three letter word called ego, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that gets in the way of a lot of people. You know, because I, I don't you know. The way I look at it, there's a uh, there are two things that stop a person from from uh, progressing. It's either fear or pride. Either I'm afraid of it or I don't think I need to. Mm. <laughs> right. And once and once you get over those two things, then it then it, uh, progress becomes a lot easier because you're over you're overcoming the most the most challenging obstacle you you have which is yourself (laughs) definitely definitely now this is a question that i ask all of my guests in one form or another for educational purposes i like to say okay if there was a young man or woman walked up to you today and say, what is the best advice you can give me going forward? The subject is uh, how you, this, like you just told me, how you perceive that question is how you perceive it. And right. that's what you base your answer on. What advice would you give them? They say, what is the best advice you could give me going forward? Well, I would say the, the best advice is to check your mindset because sometimes your mindset is is the obstacle you have to overcome you know i had to do that a lot i I do a lot of soul searching things of that nature uh when i when i was when i was posed the question by my mentor and um when i thought about it i said man my brain has kept me from doing a lot of things Mm -hmm. And and I had to actually, you know, I had to sit there and think about it for a second because it was like, whoa, all of this time, my progress has been hampered by something as simple as my mindset, which is the easiest and hardest things to change. 
it's easy because all you have to do is make a decision that you don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because of the ego. <laughs> yeah, realize, realizing that you have something that you need to change. And it's, yes. Yeah. And it's shifting it. Okay. Okay. Okay, both of them are open. We're going to have to mute one of them. Okay, there we go. How's that? Yeah, gotcha. Okay, now we're back on the computer now. I'm good. <laughs> okay, so are there um are there any other topics you want to hit or, or, or are, you, are you good? Well, I mean, for me, I, I, I like talking, you know, about my experience and, and the, the book that that I have. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it, it's it, it 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 covers a lot of topics that a lot of people are afraid to talk about because it, it, it requires a lot of self-honesty. One of the things that that uh, I talk about in the book is is for me, it's it's that stuff subject of, of emphatic self-honesty. It's like, you have to look at, at you as mm-hmm. a possible cause of your problems. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of people run into issues because I don't want it to be me. And, and I'm looking at every scenario in the world that that could be my situation because as long as that's the problem, the problem cannot be me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I build on on uh, that the relationships that go from there into uh, things like peer pressure, uh, validation. You know, one of the things I, I learned about validation is uh, I heard somebody refer to it as a silent killer. And I like that that phrase. And the reason I like it is because you don't know that it's happening until it's happening to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I, I cover. Um, I cover topics like uh, hatred, you know, uh, how to how to identify a hater, uh, what top what type of tactic tactics they use, and more importantly, why they do what they do. Mm. Uh, I, I look at um, uh, perception. You know, is the glass half empty or half full? That's one of the uh, one of the chapters uh, titles that I have on there. Uh, one of the most powerful. Um, one of the most powerful chapters I wrote in the book uh, is on a fear of winning, you know, and a lot of people will look at me strange when I say that. But if you think about it, there are a lot of people that are so afraid of what's what's to come. They will they will intentionally engage in what I call self-sabotage mm-hmm. and they will do things that they know won't end well for themselves. Why? Because then they'll have something else to blame their misfortune on. Yeah, I learned about that in um in school, in school self sabotage. You know, mm-hmm. don't study for the test. So then, when you fail the test, you can say, "Ah, uh, I would have passed it if I studied." You know, exactly because then then you're not the problem. It's the test problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, now for the people that are now interested in finding this book, where can they find it? Well, it's it's on uh, the it's on major online book retailers, but it's Amazon, uh, it's on Kobo, it's uh, on iBooks. 
uh, Apple Books, believe it or not. So it's there. So it's at Barnes and Noble as well. Uh, it's also available on my website, uh, www.kevineesman.com. Uh, you can look at Lair and it has the purchase information on there as well. And one of the things I like to tell people is mm-hmm. I, I price the book uh, so that it can be affordable, you know, because it, a lot of people are paying thousands and thousands of dollars to go to seminars to learn the stuff in a book yeah. that I put in there and you can pay less than $20 for it. Nice. <laughs> nice. I didn't even know there was an Apple Books. Oh yeah. And you have iBooks. You can, uh, they, they have, you can go to Apple books and it, it pops up there as well. Cool. Cool. Definitely. I, I definitely appreciate when someone, a creator did what you just said you did to make it more accessible to the people, because it's really no good to put together all that information, all that knowledge, and then, you know, make it price pointed to where, People can't afford it. Cause exactly. I, you know, and and it, it's interesting because having that conversation that we just had, you know, you're you're saying things that I've written in the book. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I say is the best information is useless if the person on the receiving end of it doesn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wrote I wrote it as simply as I did, you know, and I added my own my own experience in there to add that, like I said earlier, that uh, element of credibility in there, because the realism, if you know somebody's gone through what you're going through, it makes it a lot easier for you to understand how to get how to get past that obstacle. Definitely. Do you have any um, speaking engagements or anything coming up that you want to promote? Coming up right now, I uh, don't have any in the works, but I'm always looking for them. Uh, I, I can uh, I can speak. Uh, I've been gifted, if you will, with the the, uh, the the ability to speak on any subject to anybody at any time. Okay. If someone <laughs> so, out there listening wants to book you, where where can they, how can they book you? Is it on your website? They can find me on my website and, and contact me there. There's a way to send me a message. I can, uh, we can talk about the logistics and we can see if we can make things happen. Awesome. Y'all get at the brother and, and get him up in there so he can spread some of this knowledge to you. So you got anything else or we're going to, we ready to wrap this up? Well, I, unless you got other topics you want to talk about, want to talk about the book some more, I'm I'm willing to do that. You know, if, if you want to talk some more, I can talk. I, like I said, I was an Air Force recruiter for 14 years. I can talk all day long. <laughs> the, the, the women over here is giving me the wrap it up signal. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, hey, you got to do what mama say. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, look, um, I appreciate you. And I want to thank you again for taking the time out of your day to talk to me. And to do this show, I really do appreciate it. Y'all make sure that y'all check out Kevin Eastman's book and um, on all, check out his website. Do you have a Facebook dedicated to the, to your project? Well, I have a Facebook for my, uh, for, for my author stuff on there and actually for the book. Uh, again, the book is called Don't Gamble on Life Improvement Until You Shift the Odds. There is a Facebook page for it. Uh, the website, www.kevineesman.com. Uh, and there are more, inf- there's more information on there on what I do, why I do what I do and why I enjoy what I do. <laughs> um, hopefully I can, I can get the book into a, a lot of people's hands and, and kind of 
do make a positive impact on some people's lives because knowledge is passed down. We but we have to be able to receive it. Yes, sir. I, and I want to let you know that I appreciate you. And if there's any way that I can help you, you let me know. Sounds good. And as always, thank you, each and every one of y'all that tune in to Thoughts by the Field, DI the podcast. I appreciate you and I love you. Without you guys, I'd just be talking to myself out here. And we we, we out of here. <laughs>